everyone. Hi. Welcome back to Sit the Fuck Down. Welcome, welcome. I say this every week, but I'm super stoked for who we have this week she as our say guest. It every week. Oh yeah. Um, this person is gonna be representing representation, disability representation in kind of just in the media as a whole. Yeah, the media, because our next guest. <laughs> I always feel like I need to do a drum roll. I know I'm always like building the suspense, but our next guest is. Madison Lawson, aka Wheelchair Barbie. She is a journalist, a model, and a boss bitch for real. Uh, Madison, go ahead and say hi to the listeners and give a little intro. Hi, I'm Maddie. I am the bad bitch in question, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, like she said, I'm a journalist, so I write. Um, I've written for like Teen Vogue and Glamour, and recently Vogue. Um, and I also do some modeling. So yeah, that's that's me. Disability advocacy is my life and I just look cute while doing it, you know? You do, you look so cute while doing it. I'm like, a, we're obsessed with your Instagram and all the things that you write. I don't know, I read a lot of the, the things that you write. I know, it's kind of great to see like someone with a disability writing about disabled people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the stories that we read um, that are about disabled people are not written by people no. with disabilities. It's from somebody else's like point of view on how they're viewing us. and Definitely. So yeah, so our first question is, how did you get into journalism? So I grew up as a Jerry's kid. And for those of you who don't know what that is, um, the Jerry Lewis MDA telethon was pretty much the only representation that people with disabilities had for a really long time. Uh, it's been around forever. And I just remember the way that I was framed as a kid was not always the way that I had spoken in the interview. And even if I was just like doing something normal, like playing Barbies, they would like play some sad shit over it and like make it very sad. And I was just like, oh, like, I was not sad in that. And so I kind of recognized from a young age that the way that disabled people are portrayed in the media is not at all how it is in real life. And you would see like the occasional, you know, person in a wheelchair in film or on television, but it was never like, I just very rarely felt authentically represented. Sure. And, you know, something that my friends would always say growing up was, um, oh, like, you're just so funny. or like, you're just so pretty for somebody like you. And I'm like, Mm, like people like me are funny and pretty and yeah we talked actually like fuck like we we're can't funnier and yeah prettier. we can't yeah we can't be funny and pretty like our only you know personality yeah. trait is disabled. disabled like well, I don't know why people think that yeah I I don't know like they just they the bar for what they think we're capable of is typically on the ground and I don't know who put it there because I mean every disabled person I've ever met is pretty like they're go-getters like we do things all the time because you have to like sure. and so yeah I, I don't know where that misconception came from other than just people who don't have disabilities speaking on behalf of who they believe that we are and then that's what that is the information that the audience consumes about you know who we are and what we're capable of doing and yeah like I, I talked about this with Judy Human when I was writing my piece for Vogue and um, you know she said that people don't see us as you know, active members in their community, at their synagogues and their mosques, wherever. And so they they just see us and they think, well, if I was in that position, 
you know, I would feel this way, but they're comparing it to a life that, you know, is very different from ours. And for a lot of us, like, you know, you just adapt. It's not a matter of like, you know, there's the dreaded, oh, if I was you, I would kill myself or I would, you know, do We talk about this all the time. We have talked about that. And I think that that's probably the most horrific thing you can say. Yeah, who wants to fucking hear that? Nobody. Nobody, even if you're not disabled. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, your quality of life that I have no idea what I'm talking about is so bad that I wouldn't even want to imagine being that way. And it's like, how do you know that? Like, why would you think that? Like, you know, what? I don't I don't know where that idea comes from. Where did it stem from? So so yes. Wait, so how old were you when you started realizing this? You said you were pretty young. I was like nine when I started realizing that. Yeah. Wow. I got sucked into the inspiration porn industry industry when I was like 12 and I was a pretty stubborn independent 12 year old and I was just like people hospitals were asking me to like do videos and do interviews and all yeah, this but you shit. just wanted to be famous uh but they but that's what <laughs> I, they made it seem like they were like we're gonna exploit you and your disability so that you it's like an honor to be put on a video screen with some sad violins fucking playing in the background while you're playing barbies and like I don't know yeah. Yeah. And I think that th- that's like the way that they kind of present that narrative to kids. And like when you're a kid, you don't really realize exactly what you're consenting to, I think, with that kind of stuff. And so you're like, yeah, like I want to be famous. Like the way that I was explained, like why people were staring at me in public when I was a kid was like, oh, yeah, like they're staring at you because they think you're a celebrity. And I was like, obviously, like that makes sense. Like, <laughs> So, I mean, that explains like who I am as a person but then like when you when you're like nine and twelve like you're like oh do you want to be on tv you're gonna say yeah like that sounds awesome yeah um, but then you don't realize that you're kind of just this they have like a cookie cutter of like what a disabled person looks like and acts like and sounds like and you're just you're our puppet for that like yeah it's true so I guess our question is like what were you getting into journalism to kind of like change that to change that, the yeah, narrative to change the narrative yeah, I grew up, Cosmo was my Bible growing up, and oh, yeah. I just loved all this I, stuff in it. I know, but I was, I was like, but let's talk right. about it. It didn't pertain to people with disabilities. They were like, do this, do this, do this, and I'm like, but I can't do that, or I can't feel that. Like, we need a cosmopolitan, you need to write it, uh, <gasps> disabled oh, sex, let's fucking go, and I bet it's like in the works. Oh, I know it is. Yeah, I hope so. I just think that, you know, I know for me, like a lot of the stuff that I learned about that had to be from other people that were similar to me. And like, you have to like do all your research and like, you know, figure everything out. But I I just had like so much stress about that because I was like, oh my gosh. And then like, you know, not only would it be helpful for us to have, but also, you know, people that are going to have disabled partners, like they need to know what's going on and it needs to like have less pressure just on us to like figure that out. So um, literally having inclusive representation only helps everybody. Yeah. I mean, amen. I know. Yeah. I couldn't put it any other way. Praise be wheelchair Barbie to that one. I just, okay. I think, I think what I'm understanding is that you have always wanted to change the narrative since nine years old, you figured out like, I don't like the way disabled people are being written and you're doing it and you're doing it. You're, you're changing the way that society is looking at people with disabilities, like with this Vogue article. And then also, you know, other, other articles that you have written. And it just, I don't know. Do you remember the first 
piece that you wrote that was actually like published? published? Um, well, the first piece I wrote that was published was like in like a local newspaper and it was kind of, it, it was like for a charity that I had worked with growing up and, you know, it was more like, like even with that, I just remember people, people never assume that I'm the one that writes things. And even now, even like there's been different Vogue um, places like around the world that have said like, oh, Maddie Lawson spoke to Vogue. And I'm like, um, I wrote the piece. Like people just kind of assume that I'm not the one doing that. And like, it, you have to constantly remind people. And like, you know, I, I, I don't think that that came from a place of like, like malice or anything I think it was just like um people just don't assume that we do those things and um so yeah I just always knew that like the way that we were painted was not the way that we were and the only way that I could change it I mean I was always mad about it I was always bitching about it um I was like I just want people to look at me and see me instead of just looking at me so that was like I was like the only way that I can really change that is if I do that you know yeah. Yeah, um, no, for sure. So when you decided to like pursue this career and, you know, you started writing pieces and um, I guess, I don't know, do people reach out to you? And then also I wanted to know how has a journalism community accepted you and your disability or the media community in general and as the, a journalist? And the pieces that you write. Um. So at first, I think people kind of were a little apprehensive as to what they thought I was going to be capable of. Um, there's always, like, I feel like in any professional industry, people with disabilities have to be twice as good to be respected as half as equal as everyone else. Sure, it's and like we have to prove ourselves. Yeah, which is just, like, exhausting. But you just push through it because you have to. If you don't, like, you won't make it into wherever you're going. And um, so... I think like once I started to, I just kept talking about those things. I just kept going into those topics that, you know, initially people might've been kind of uncomfortable to have to, you know, kind of um, confront their privilege and always want to do that. And um, I think like once they realized, well, this girl's not going to shut up. So, and um, once like publications started, you know, picking me up, other ones started reaching out and um, like I, I can't like Vogue reached out to me and that email was like what like oh my gosh Vogue wants to talk to me what I can't um, imagine I know I I got excited like yeah seeing it for you what's it called like secondhand excitement or whatever I was just like I my freaking my pits were sweating I was so excited I, I was like I can probably speak for probably all women with disabilities all of our pits were sweating yeah we were so excited our pussies were wet we were you hate that word I do I don't know why no but I literally was just like yes yes like Wait, so I waited so long to see someone with a disability write about people with disabilities like come on so why don't you tell our listeners about that article in case they haven't come across it yet oh, yes. which we're going to share it obviously but why don't you tell our listeners about what the article was so I wrote a piece about um how the fashion industry has been has had kind of a slow progression of inclusion of people with disabilities and I spoke with just the most incredible women that I could think of to put in this piece, which was our queen, Judy Heumann. Um, oh. and yes. And she's so much older than everyone else that I interviewed and, and myself. And it was so wild how 
well, not even so wild. I shouldn't even say that because I expected it to be this way, but um, her experiences of not having representation in fashion as a child is something that still resonated with me and how I felt the same exact way all these years later. And I also spoke to uh, Jillian Mercado, who was the first model I ever felt represented by in the industry. She also has a form of muscular dystrophy. And there's something about seeing people in places that you want to be that look like you, that makes you feel like you can also do that. Because it's not that I ever thought that like, oh, I can't work in fashion, but it's just when you're told no over and over and over again. But yeah, it's just like, okay, well, am I being too ambitious? Like, is this something that's not realistic? Like, but then you see it happen and you're just like, no, like I can do this. And that just, it pushes the needle forward and empowers us to all march on. And I think that every victory within our community, even, you know, the littlest ones doing something that you didn't think that you would be able to, um, I think should be celebrated loudly because it's a victory for all of us and it pushes that needle forward and it challenges when people look at us and they see what you've done, it changes their perception of what we're capable of doing. Of course. I mean, those are two people that we would love to have on our podcast. So yeah. if you're listening, oh. we're going to find you. They're also just also, like such amazing people. Grace Delisi obviously had to interview her. She's a queen and just like literally my therapist. I adore her with all my heart. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's so beautiful on the outside, but somehow like is even more beautiful on the inside, which I'm like, that's illegal. Like yes. how is much beauty in one person we talk about this all the time like we don't understand how somebody that beautiful can also be that nice yeah we we actually we also talked about how like we just want to talk some shit sometimes you know some <laughs> Not some girls bathroom but she's just like she's very like loving and accepting and she's like you know it just is what it is and like that is unfair but they're a good person and they're on their journey too. And I'm just like, you see the great in every single person you meet. Yeah, I don't use this term lightly, but she's like pretty perfect. She is perfect. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> wow, I can't even imagine getting an email from Vogue and what my reaction would have been. I probably would have shit myself. So how long was the piece and did they like edit out any of it or did they just kind of- So I got a thousand words and originally it was very- it was very long because I, there's just a lot to unpack in, in the industry. And like the piece that they wanted, they were like, oh, you should go into the history of this. And like, then you should go into, you know, different elements of um, adaptive fashion and like stuff like that. And it was just like this long um, list of all these things that they wanted. But I was like, I don't want to briefly hit on any of it because people could unpack that incorrectly very easily. And so I wrote it like super long and then they ended up cutting cutting quite a bit of it out just to fit the word count but yeah I I think that it's important that like people with disabilities that are working in fashion already get the recognition that they deserve because you know they they are doing all these things and for every person that's in the industry working there were hundreds of people that were told no yeah and so you just have to like remember that and um I don't know just like talking to getting to talk to like Jillian was like crazy and incredible and just you know, getting to thank firsthand the person that made you feel like you could keep doing what you're doing. Like she's like paved the way. Absolutely. And we just did a podcast with Brie, but the whole thing with, and maybe you can agree with this, but the whole thing about modeling is that people just decide to take chances on them. 
and Bree said the same thing, people just taking chances. So it's like a snowball effect. Yeah. Once it starts, it just doesn't stop. Can you agree with this? Like, do you feel like as a model, someone just took a chance on you? So I feel like, yeah, like with writing, that was definitely something that happened. There was an editor that I met when I was at Fashion Week and um, she, I felt so seen by her whenever we would speak. And it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm like being nice, like talking to the disabled girl at this show. It was like, you know, and you can tell, you can always tell when people when people do that. And it, it just wasn't like that. She was just very like genuinely kind and very like just interested in what I was advocating for. And she was like, well, you should write about that. Just submit it to Teen Vogue and got it published. And um, that was when, you know, all these other opportunities started coming just from from people seeing that. And I think my first article was about um straws and how because that was when Starbucks was like talking about getting rid of straws and yeah everyone was like save the sea turtles but fuck disabled people and I was like yeah that sounds about right for how people treat us but um but yeah so it was just like you know and I I was initially a little afraid I was like oh like what if you know people what if my audience doesn't like what if they don't care and um but then I remembered like no like you're writing for little you that wanted somebody that looked like them in that in that magazine so even if the only people that read it are disabled like that's perfect because that's who I wrote it for so shedding the fear of like what everybody else will think and remembering like who you're talking to because we don't ever people forget to talk to us you know no, for sure. Wow. And I, I mean, we touched on it briefly. You recently just did a Sephora campaign. How did you, how did that happen? So that's actually so wild. I'm not even that active on TikTok, but I made a couple makeup videos and they weren't even super like viral or anything, but somebody from Sephora saw them and was like, you're really talented. And so I sent them uh, some of my work because they, ha- they had asked for like, just like what kind of makeup I like to do. And makeup has always been you know, my happy place. I love just, um, it's something that I've always been able to do for myself that I I don't need anyone to help me at all. And so I remember seeing, um, back when you were in college, I remember seeing you or even now doing tradesies. So someone will do your hair and you'll do their makeup or something like that. Yeah. 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 So that was always, well, (laughs) in the interview, my friend actually said, so I wipe her ass and she gives me a smoky eye. But so yes! like, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the perfect barter. <laughs> I know. That's like, I want to make that a t-shirt. Can we make that a t-shirt? You need to make that a t-shirt and profit off that quote. That was fucking gold. Good. <laughs> I literally, I made a TikTok the other day about having my ass wiped and it got like so many views. And I was like, if I literally just mentioned my asshole, like, is this many views? Like, oh. <laughs> I mean, our most listened to podcast was the one about sex. So it's like, and we talked about peeing ourselves a lot. Yeah. So, so it's like, yeah. people just want to hear the dirty stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They're so curious, but then they also just like assume that we can't. And I'm just like, we're literally just sitting down. Like you do it too. Like, why would we not be able to? Like, I don't understand this misconception. But the Sephora shoot, like, I, how, I don't know. I mean, it was you and your friend that got the opportunity to do it. Um, how was it being on set? They did, like, a whole video. They did photos. You, Yeah. Yeah. I, I was initially, like, obviously concerned with, like, COVID just because I'm very immunocompromised and, like, 9% lung function. But we went to the mall, like, when it was closed and, 
Um, they made sure that there was like very few people in the store. It was literally just the crew and me. They were just very, very accommodating in any way that I, anything I needed, they would immediately like make sure that that was set up that way. If I didn't feel comfortable um, doing a certain shot, they they would take my advice. And it was also like a little bit of, um, there were definitely like teaching moments. Like some of the questions initially were like a little like unintentionally ableist and um, kind of set up to, I guess, like it just kind of inspiration porny. And I think it's just because I guess the way that disability is sometimes talked about, people like feel good stories in that way. And I think that they were kind of expecting to get that from me. And I just kind of was like, nope. Like they would ask something that was like, trying to entice emotion and trying to like get me to say something that was upset or like something that they would expect to be a sad answer and I was just like not giving that to them yeah no we don't need pity yeah yeah but they were like they were so kind and just very like understanding of like if I didn't feel comfortable with something or if I said like they were learning I think as they were going I just like knew that I had to like not give them what they wanted like with some questions, just because I was like, I know that this is going to get cut in this way. And I don't want it. I don't want that to happen. But it didn't. And um, it was wonderful. I had such a good experience. Um, you know, it, it felt it felt very safe. And it felt very, um, it just felt really good. Because I, I remember being like 11 years old shopping at Sephora, saving all my birthday money, all my like, any money I ever had, like that was where I would go with it. So it just like, it's, it's wild to think that I'm in Sephora ads and that's that's something I always wanted to see like a woman that looked like me yeah. so yeah I just really honored to be selected to do something like that because there's so many deserving beautiful disabled women out there it's such a huge company I feel like if I saw myself afterwards after the you know the whole campaign and the photo shoot was done I feel like I don't know like we said this when we spoke to Brie seeing yourself once it's all done and finished it has to be surreal. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it's just wild to see, like, the journey and, like, just just seeing, like, you know, where I was self-confidence-wise, like, in middle school when I first started wearing makeup to where I am now. It's just, like, a different person. I wish I loved myself as hard as I do now. Back then, like, it would have been over for all these hoes if, <laughs> if I would have done that. But um, you got to go through everything to become the person that you are. And, yeah, I'm thankful for all the experiences even the ones that I literally thought were the end of the world at the time <laughs> seeing you in Sephora like it went live people were tagging me and it, sending it to me whatever it was viral it went viral and it was so beautiful that like like you said you didn't give it to them there was no sob story it was like it is what it is she's beautiful makeup goddess this is her best friend like oh was, and she's also disabled but doesn't really yeah <laughs> It wasn't like the focus, which is, you know, I feel like a lot of times it was it refreshing. It was. So refreshing. So my last question is for any young journalists out there with disabilities or even just somebody that wants to be a change maker. Yeah. Like you. What advice would you give that young person? Just to get started. I would just say, speak your truth, tell your story. Don't be afraid of what people are thinking, because at the end of the day, like, your truth is the most powerful thing that there is and it's going to resonate with somebody even if the wider audience doesn't relate to what you're talking about that doesn't matter all that really matters is that you connect with even one person that feels that representation that they've never gotten don't stop talking about something because it makes people uncomfortable 
if they're uncomfortable about it, they're part of the problem and they need to read it more than anybody. So just disregard people that aren't going to support you or people that are going to like insinuate pity or anything like that and just keep doing you because you are beautiful and one day it's not going to matter. I know that it feels like the way that people see you means everything right now, but one day you're going to look in the mirror and see yourself and realize that you're a bad bitch and you didn't need their approval before. Why would you need it now? Like they're already staring at you. So go out there and shine like the beautiful star that you are and you're going to accomplish whatever you whatever you set your mind to. Wow. I wish you were, we like should have also had you on our self-love episode because that just like, I I needed to hear it too. And I'm also like all our listeners out there, all however many there are, we we can't figure out how to find out how many listeners we have. I don't think it's accurate. Yeah. But all our 700 followers listening, we do this for you. You may have a disability or not, but you're listening and we do this for you and and shine like the star you are. Yes. (laughs) No, it's so true though. But thank you so much for letting us speak to you we were like so excited Christina was nervous this morning I was nervous to ask you like I was telling you just because like you're I it's intimidating because I know we have like this you know friendly relationship but it's also like I hate asking people for favors but I don't know you're so kind and I'm so glad that you were able to be here today yeah Um, but we're using this for good you know yeah we're, we're trying to I know we've been getting some cool feedback, but you know, we're, we're doing this for people that needed it when people that need it, like how we needed it when we were younger. True shit. I still need it. Thank you guys for like thinking of me and like reaching out and like, you're like my internet crushes. So like, yeah, this all, this has been so fun for me too. And I was actually so excited when Brie told me, I was like, what? They want me? Like, what? oh my god okay so we have every guest at the end of the podcast say sit the fuck down so you can sing it no one's sung it yet no one has you keep saying that oh i know brie brie said it like in In a a daddy voice and i was like jesus christ that was beautiful yeah christina like came in her pants a little bit i did did i literally did and then uh we had someone yell at us like sit the fuck down we did yeah and then we had a radio kind of anyways say it how you want to sit the fuck down ready sit the fuck down oh it's perfect it was so perfect i wish i recorded oh we have a recording we are recording i'm gonna play that to myself over and over again video portion I don't know you listeners can't see it but she did like an eye roll and it was oh so good all right thanks for joining us this week for sit the fuck down yeah this is closing out our month of representation in the media and stay tuned for a fun episode for our 10th episode I know I'm so excited all right we're gonna do something fun bye